When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome back. We got the good cameras. We're ready to go. So you had mentioned Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about him right away? Uh, All that I, I didn't have anything fascinating, but I will just say that I watched uh, probably 30 to minutes to an hour of the cross-examination of the guy that was up yesterday, Gage, I believe. And the guy whose bicep got shot off. Yes. Yeah. It was the most entertaining uh, real law thing I'd ever seen. Well, so for people who don't know, and correct me if you think anything I say is, is incorrect, but he was the guy who, and he, this is his version of it now, although not what he said to police. He ran after Kyle, pulled a pistol on him, and then Kyle shot him in the arm and if Kyle hadn't shot him in the arm, he admits he was going to shoot Kyle, probably to kill, because he thought Kyle had murdered somebody undeservedly so, and he was vigilanteing, basically. And then he, he said the told, word active shooter, yeah. And then he told the police that Kyle shot him, and he didn't mention that he had a gun. He neglected to mention that he had a gun, which was a hilarious piece of the court proceedings, where the lawyer, and as you're watching, have you watched it? No, well, I, the only thing I watched, spoilers, is at the end, they said the defense attorney says because the prosecution called this guy. Just to be clear, the prosecution called him as their witness. My the defense attorney says, <laughs> "So, I'll paraphrase here. Tell me if this is correct. You walk towards Kyle. You pull your gun on Kyle. You are going to shoot Kyle. At which point, Kyle shoots you after you are walking towards him with a gun pointed towards him. Is mm-hmm. that correct?" And the guy goes, "Yes, that's correct." And then the camera just cuts to the prosecutor. And they're just, the guy's just like holding his head, and so he was disgust, he was doing a lot of basically. that. I don't know if that's so that that moment might have been interpreted as an emotion that it wasn't. There were the guy didn't look happy, one of the prosecutors, but he was often like looking down at his notes. I watched uh, I watched I a they, long time. I mean, I could be wrong. That the judge said before this for people who don't know, this is not this trial is not a trial on if he should have been there, mm-hmm. if he crossed state lines with a gun. This is not this trial. This trial is when Kyle pulled the trigger in each situation, was he under attack and or did he have the right to think his life was in danger? That was what they were trying to prove or disprove. 100%, yeah. And then the person, one of the people he shot said, I was trying to shoot him. Yeah. So that was just, that's just it. That, that's just over yeah. for the prosecutor, for that particular person. He shot three people. So now the only thing they have is the other two people potentially. Mm-hmm. So I read that as like, yeah, I mean, that's GG's for that third uh, charge. Well, all the legal experts on Reddit say it is, <laughs> which is, who knows? But the, I, I guess the interesting part as I was watching it is just, you would never do this to someone in conversation, but the methodical backing of people into corners. Oh, with, brutal. It was brutal yeah. to watch. So, and you did not mention that you had a gun at that time. No, uh, I was on, you know, I had just, you know, had the most traumatic experience in my life and just had this. It says here that you knew uh, exactly what Kyle was wearing when you interviewed for this. And it's just like, and there's also no, what's interesting is unlike an argument, there's no like slam dunk, like you're a liar. They just kind of let it hang, yeah. which might even be worse. Well, the other thing is you can perjure yourself if you lie. So, okay, so the other thing that he might have made him do, which which might not come out, is apparently, uh, and this is what they seem to be setting up for another person to cross-examine, which hasn't yet happened, is his roommate at the time and friend went to visit him in the hospital mm-hmm. and then put up a Facebook post. Do you know this? Yeah. Saying, like, my one regret is that I did, basically didn't kill him. No, didn't no, he said, clip. He's, the person whose bicep got shot off says, my my regret is that I didn't beat him to the punch and, and kill him. Mm-hmm. He, that's what his roommate posted on Facebook with a photo saying <laughs> of him in the hospital. This is what this guy said. Yes. And then on the stand, they asked him, did you say that? And he said, no. No. And so now I, they're going to call his roommate. The other up. guy up. <laughs> and either the roommate's going to have to say, I made that up 
Which maybe he'll just, maybe he'll lie. This is almost definitely what he'll do because there's friend. because there's no way to prove it to prove it. Right. So either you just you perjure yourself, but nobody finds out, or you admit that your friend perjured himself, uh, and he has to then potentially face or charges. or you made it up, which I is possible. You know, you might have just been a cool guy at that moment mm-hmm. and and made something up for social media. It wouldn't be the first time. Uh, but no, it was. We don't need to spend too much time on it. It was absolutely uh, mind-bending to watch this guy who looked like he had never expected any of these questions, never prepared, had no sort of cohesive answer for why the story was changing. Well, he, I think, did not have a carry permit for his pistol. So if he told the cops that he had a pistol... He did something illegal. He just had so much time in between the event and today to, to make sense of it and for them to go, okay, so what are they? What are you going to say when they ask you why you didn't say this? I'm going to say that I was on drugs. Okay, what are you going to say about this? Well, the problem what are you going to say if they ask you video. if you planned to... Sh- yes. So this, the most interesting thing to me about this is uh, when I first saw the Kyle Rittenhouse case, I went and watched all the mm-hmm. videos that were out there. So, so this isn't crazy news to me. Like I watched the guy pull a gun on him before Kyle shot him. But what's interesting is like where you get your media determines how you feel about the event. So for a lot of people, this is the first, this has been out there since the incident, but this is the first time that they have allowed themselves to consume that information. So you've watched a lot of people change their opinion about the event, Mm -hmm. but it was all, I mean, it was always out there. The footage was out there to watch this guy pull a pistol before Kyle shoots him and it just wasn't covered by certain news stations. So people are, are thinking this is coming out now, but it's. It's been available the whole time. Yeah, that's probably the most interesting comment on the entire situation, which is which is almost asinine to say, but how quickly people had strong opinions about it, how different the, one, the, the evidence that was referenced was. So, like, on one side, I've heard so much about he crossed state lines, he had a gun, he uh, shouldn't have been there, X, Y, Z. And there, one, there's just two sides talking past each other in, in terms of, should, was he in a bad position that maybe he shouldn't have been in? Perhaps did he act in self-defense? I've like a lot of the online screaming seemed to just. Yeah. Well, the interesting, the one thing I was thinking about that's interesting is how guns skew what you can do in self-defense, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the other victims, I'll say, uh, was hitting him with a skateboard, and then Kyle shot him, and the person died. And the per- that, that is self-defense. The person was attacking Kyle with a weapon. But also, it's pretty unlikely, I think, that you would die from someone hitting you with a skateboard. So there is an escalation of violence that guns... You just There's no hitting someone softly with a gun. Like, you can punch someone to a varying degree of... I can punch you and not knock you out. I can punch you and knock you out. Mm-hmm. I can punch you in the stomach, and you definitely won't have any issues. So... It's very unclear. I, I I will take the other side of like, okay, so you hit someone in the head with a skateboard once. Will they survive? Probably. Might they have serious issues? Maybe. They'll probably survive. Would he have stopped? Would the crowd have jumped on? Oh, sorry. Would- this is just my general thought with gun with owning a gun, which I'm not opposed to at all, is when someone breaks into your house mm-hmm. and you go to, and let's say that person does not have a gun, but you have a gun. Like they might have just ran off or maybe you guys would have gotten a fist fight or maybe they would have gotten a knife and and killed you you know you're not it's not h- hard to kill someone without having a gun but when you do have a gun your only option is to shoot this person so you're going to just horribly injure them or kill them mm-hmm. they, they guns just take everything to an 11 immediately mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah same thing with road rage two people in cars scream at each other and then they pull over and the one just shoots the other one. it's like yeah you this can only it goes from screaming to you get shot with a gun they just take everything to an 11, basically, mm-hmm. if they're fired. Yeah. No, I mean, you'd like, this is, I guess, why, like, middle school violence is not so bad. Because, like, you can both go as hard as you want, give each other bloody noses. <laughs> Everybody's and 99 out of 100 times. It's yep. totally fine. Uh, yeah, it, I, I don't know if that's right, wrong, or, but but I understand what you're saying. Is that it, Well, the other, I think he's going to walk completely. Because the other charge, the person was trying to take his gun away. And in a lot of states, that is basically the same as, having a gun because the, th- the thought is if you don't defend yourself the person will then just shoot you with the gun mm-hmm. so if someone tries to disarm you you basically have a green light to shoot them in self-defense yeah. so i think he's going to walk my question is has this trial been public enough that that won't result in riots or do you think there will be riots i don't think there'll be riots joe biden's president 
I haven't heard of any cops killing black people. I guarantee you it's happened at the same exact rate that it was happening uh, when Donald Trump was president and was up for re-election. Like these are the the diet of outrage that gets fed is is very very curated. What well, we talking about this? <laughs> it is it is weirdly like every four police, years police yeah. shooting black people and the BLM uh, coverage on the news it correlates very aggressively with presidential elections. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's, what's interesting beyond all of this is just all of the names, you know, the, the Jacob Blakes and the, there was a dozen others, uh, just haven't heard any. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that there's egregious <laughs> examples in a, in a country of 330 million people. Oh, now, in the last 12 months? Yeah. Since Biden was elected? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I, I think that says more about the conversation than anything, which is... Yeah, there's been a Breonna Taylor in the last 12 months. There's been some, yeah, whatever, whatever. There's been something that that people would get would have gotten upset about in that time frame were it publicized, and it, I think, goes to show you that if you're having a conversation, and you have a side or another side, uh, a powerful question to ask is like, who decided we were having this conversation? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. who and what are their interests? Because that will, I think, t- take you to uh, deeper levels of insight than. Is it right or wrong? Should Kyle Rittenhouse walk? Should should this officer or that officer or this person? Um, so that's my take. Yeah, I love it. You want some more uplifting news? Sure. Boy on slot, your boy. Did you see he launched System Two? Yes. Do you so? Do you want to talk about Boyan since I know you love him? Or I don't know a ton about him. I've only watched a couple of his videos. Yeah, he's doing the uh, ocean cleanup. There's a big patch of trash in the Pacific Ocean. And he originally, I saw that it's a different system now, had tried to make a completely is the word analog like just no power? <laughs> um, yeah, it was so, trash scooper that would just like go with the current and due to the the engineering of the way it was built that it would float in such a way that it would allow it to capture trash without trash escaping while keeping fish safe, and then they would go out there haul back all this you know tons and tons of trash and clean it up, as well as having these river interceptors. The idea being that if you can get these particular, they look kind of like mini yachts but they only they only sift through trash if you get them into the world's thousand most polluting rivers you can stop this type of thing from happening again yeah so the thing i thought was super interesting is that his vision which was very inspiring and futuristic of this unmanned automated mm-hmm. and energyless basically using the the ocean's own currents to to fuel it is not what happened that was his pitch. It was, everyone thought it sounded amazing. It turns out it was a little bit too good to be true right now. Mm-hmm. And instead what he has is crude manned boats pulling a giant net that is designed to not catch fish. And then they pull up the garbage and then they drive it in. It's mm-hmm. actually not that technologically crazy, but I don't think he ever would have gotten the funding for it if that was his original idea. And that's what I think is interesting because it is cleaning up the oceans, but it is manned. It requires fuel and paying Mm -hmm. these people wages. And then they recycle the plastic and try to sell it to pay for all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to me because this guy is internationally famous and his dream is coming true that they're cleaning that. And he got there a little bit by biting off more than he could chew. Mm -hmm. To have a completely closed loop, not, but, and so they've, they've tried to close the loop in other ways by, buying carbon credits and negating mm-hmm. their carbon footprint and all that sort of stuff. Not to say that it's not a worthy cause. I do, I don't know entirely yet, but I think it's, it's a much more fascinating, more uh, time-appropriate pitch to say we're going to have just use nature to clean nature. You know, mm-hmm. just the wind and uh, good old-fashioned Roman engineering. Well, it reminds, me, like- it reminds me a little bit of Steve Jobs when he recruited the Pepsi CEO. Yeah. He's like, do you want to just sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come change the world? It's like, well, you could just go to the Apple CEO and be like, do you want to just fund cobalt slave mines for the rest <laughs> of your life while you sell phones? Or do you want to come change the world? It's like not inherently that much different. But the the setting it up as visionary is what recruited a CEO who at the time was kind of punching out of Apple's league. And similarly, Boyan got a bunch of publicity and raised a bunch of money with that vision. So I, I don't know if there's anything to that, that idea. Of, and I wouldn't necessarily propose people do that. But it, I do see in the world ha- having a big vision that doesn't really <laughs> come through tends to work out in people's favor. 
Yes. Well, I mean, and of course there's the Theranoses. There's all of these other things. Like it, it, he, it appears as of today, is still able to accomplish the end goal to it to a meaningful degree versus Theranos. Sure. Just was not. <laughs> they, they, well, he never falsified anything, which mm-hmm. I think is a big difference. Mm-hmm. He never, he never. That's a fair point. I want, if Elizabeth Holmes had said just to her employees, I'm going to figure out how to take one drop of blood and do this and we're going to do it, but had never lied to anybody about where they were and was like, okay, we're going to just take a smaller vial <laughs> of blood. Yeah, if she, she could probably have same, a successful same business. vision yeah. but hadn't lied and when senators came in instead of saying, oh, the machine's not working, she's like, hey, for now, we don't have the tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have raised $8 billion. We're on our way. In the meantime, do you want to see the blood results that you would get, but we're going to have to take a full vial? Mm-hmm. That would be the boy on slot version of it which mm-hmm. is he never lied. He said, I'm going to try to create this technology. He tried to create it and then it didn't work because the self-propelled one, he did create it, moved too slow. So plastic mm-hmm. escaped. Mm-hmm. Whereas she said, I already have it. It's fine. Just look over here at these dancing monkeys while I <laughs> throw the blood that we took from your finger away and draw up vile blood. So yeah, yeah. She, she was outright lying. Whereas Boyan just couldn't, ultimately hasn't figured out the technology yet. Sure. So no comment on the morality of it, but yeah, uh, stating an ambitiously large vision that can't be achieved, not lying about anything seems to be a way to get people on board. And then it's kind of like you, uh, you know, they have the boiling the frog where the temperature goes up. It's almost like freezing the frog. Like the temperature just goes down and down, sure. but the frog is comfortable in your pool and he's already given you all his money and signed up to work for you. So, so that just continues to, you've got something, you've got a business at the end of the day. Yeah. And I also wonder if just ha- having a vision and laying out that you're going to get there, but you're not there yet might be totally fine. Cause Elon with SpaceX, we're going to terraform Mars. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we're going to put satellites up that give internet to everyone on the planet. Mm-hmm. Probably people wouldn't be as hyped about SpaceX if that had been their end goal, mm-hmm. but nobody cares that he's monetizing SpaceX using that internet provider yeah. business to ultimately achieve that long-term goal. Mm-hmm. So I do think you can also have a big vision that you might never achieve. It might take you decades to achieve and still inspire people. And then on the way there, you know, get there by doing things like manned boats, which aren't exciting or internet via satellite, which is kind of exciting, but not the actual dream that people hyped SpaceX up with. Sounds like an effective way to, (laughs) to get people on board and, and then deliver something. The, I was watching a handful of the Kyle Rittenhouse because I watched the, uh, the, like some of the live stream. Mm-hmm. And then what came up were people debating uh, a year ago when when it happened about was it self defense or not? And a lot of these were tr- Twitch streamers, and I don't think that these are bad people. I think it's almost impossible to argue in good faith in front of an audience mm-hmm. that expects you to represent their side. So these are smart people that often see where arguments are going and will disrupt the flow of conversation in as somebody for instance this is the one that I watched he was he was close to proving that this guy's principle that you can't def- that you cannot defend property with lethal force was not a principle that he actually subscribed to that he you know he says well what about you know Koreans in the LA riots like were they justified well they were you know and he's and he's, he's having a hard time just, but he then he just doesn't. <laughs> he just kind of says, you're trying to get a gotcha. You're trying to do this to me. You're trying to do that. As opposed to having a thoughtful exploration of what do I think? Mm-hmm. Why do I think it? Oh, maybe I should amend this principle. I don't. Well, we've, ta- we've talked about this. We've talked to political people who are, that I felt the exact same way with. Yeah. No one. It's, it's rare that someone will change their mind on camera when what they say will lead to their fans liking them less. Mm-hmm. Like that's just never going to happen. So once once you're a Ben Shapiro or, or whoever it is and you know your audience sways a certain way, it's incredibly hard to publicly come out and admit, hey, that belief I have that you all also have, turns out it wasn't super well-founded and I might have to change it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you're just asking a lot of someone while on Especially camera. with regards, like the, where people can do it is where they get the quote unquote facts wrong and video evidence comes out. I was wrong. I heard the wrong thing. But with these moral arguments, people do not prove, man. They, they just, I think, get more intransigent as, as these conversations occur because now you've spent hours and hours and hours defending a position. Yeah, we, uh, there's a large group of people that think that you can look at the outcomes of a system to decide if the system is biased for or against people, right? Mm-hmm. 
Meaning, yeah, you can look at like racial disparities. And so therefore, if uh, black people or women or gay people have on average outcomes that are more negative there for the system, we can conclude is biased against against them. And then you tell them that homosexual people on average make 10% more than heterosexual people. And not one person thinks the system is rigged against heterosexual people, nor do they amend their belief that you can look at outcomes. Mm-hmm. So that's how you know, just some sort of massive cognitive bias. That you can look solely at outcomes, yeah. Yeah, so just, you just know like, okay, there's some massive cognitive bias going on. I've, and I've had that exact conversation with multiple people and literally never has someone gone, oh, wow, maybe the system is rigged against heterosexuals. And they've also never gone, oh, maybe we need to do more than just look at the outcome data to decide if a system is rigged or oppressive. They just go, I'm, uh. <laughs> they don't change their mind. They don't address the point. They try to get out of there as quickly as possible. And then the next conversation they have about the topic is exactly as if you and them had never spoken. Like they don't change their arguments at all. Yeah, well, and I mean, we've said this, but I think it bears repeating because it's an important point that I need to remind myself is that the reason for that is because our brains are not truth-seeking mechanisms. They are survival, uh, survival-seeking, identity-preserving pleasure-seeking mechanisms. So they will provide to you the eloquence or rational gymnastics required to maintain a belief that keeps you getting paid or keeps you in the community that you want to stay in or like it'll just do whatever we want. And I think it's interesting hearing, uh, like I was watching John McWhorter talk about, he's got a new book on the problems with wokeism and he describes it as a religion. And I think that's true, but I think so many, I think everything's a religion, honestly. I think materialism is a religion. I think there are so many things that uh, if you if you look deeply into them, do not have solid foundations, but they keep you happy, warm, comfortable, and alive. True. And so you just, you just keep going. Uh, materialism is like a religion that no one admits to following, though. Exactly. Like, Catholicism in the whatevers, you know what I mean? It was like if you were in a Catholic town and you didn't had never heard of a single Muslim in the 1400s, like there just was a God and you just went to church. There wasn't an option. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think materialism falls into that. And I think you, I think you would be it would be impossible to find a human that didn't build their life on completely axiomatic, meaning unfounded basis. I don't think that such a thing exists. I think it's just a bunch of pleasure survival seeking people bumping into one another screaming that the other guy's an idiot (laughs) (laughs) and uh for me that makes much more sense it's like oh how can two smart people genuinely fucking smart spend so much time interacting on these twitch debates and not get anywhere because it doesn't make sense if you presume that brains are tuned to the truth <laughs> you would yeah, get there it's like oh they're, they're trying not, to survive they're trying to survive sure get paid yeah make sure that their tribe still likes them yeah make money and then it makes perfect sense yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you go like oh everything is right of course <laughs> the system is working everything is right so speaking of uh cognitive biases this is a dave portnoy thing i don't i don't know if you've heard some of the details i literally only know what you have told me off camera okay I've well done no primary research so separately i was considering if i do make a video comeback doing an exploration kind of like i did with only fans of wh- how, why do some people survive cancels and why do other people not mm. um i welcome you making that video i don't know that anyone would be interested on our main channel because it's not it doesn't no, I think have they would applicable. It doesn't have applicable takeaways. It doesn't matter. Neither does neither does the OnlyFans or sociopaths. Some stuff is just some stuff is interesting. Yeah, so I don't I don't know the answer yet. I have some ideas, um, but anyway. So the the short of the Dave Portnoy story, which I don't know all the details, is that Business Insider apparently spends eight months, and this is more from Dave's perspective, uh, preparing a piece. He says hit piece, but like researching deeply into him, contacting all different people contacting women that he's worked with, like people that are tagged in photos with him, like looking for dirt, um, which I think is suspect to start. You know what I mean? Just What's going, the message they were sending? The message they were sending? The DM, You said they DM'd a bunch of people. Hey, I'm doing, the, some people showed some, hey, I'm doing, and again, these could be fabricated. I'm doing a piece on Dave. Like, would you have time to talk? They don't, they don't tip their hand in the uh, reach out message, but it's mm-hmm. like, why the fuck are you contacting random employees who have nothing to, like, you're, you're, you're there's a case that you're trying to build that you started with. Like you decided that you were the prosecution mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that this needed to happen with regards to this. Uh, and also with a particular narrow band of things. Like you, they weren't looking for like, I don't know, 
does Dave Portnoy mean to his male employees? <laughs> they, they, they just weren't interested. Um, so maybe, and maybe they did. Maybe they looked for all of it. There may be any, cause there was a Tony Robbins hit piece that was just like, by the way, he also did X, Y, and Z. Uh, so there were two main allegations as far as I understand. One woman who hooked up with him says she was, I believe screaming no for it to stop, which he denies outright categorically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one who was, I think, 20 years old, and after she slept with him, hooked up with him, got depressed and like bad depressed, may have had to be go to a hospital. I, I don't, I, don't quote me on that. Um, and then so he goes on and defends himself on on Twitter or whatever. But the part that I thought was interesting was actually the second piece that that was included. And the I think this is dangerous for women to. To say, okay, so here's someone who's 20, he's older, you know, the, the argument goes, there's power imbalances, he didn't treat her well, she got depressed after the interaction, uh, but they don't make a compelling case that there wasn't consent. They don't make, like, in fact, he shows texts from her that are explicitly sexual, that are, uh, the impression that, that I got from it is that he treated this as a casual encounter, and she was like, oh my god, it's Dave Portnoy, like, super excited. And possibly as a result of that and so many other factors in her life, was very upset when he didn't continue to pursue her after having slept with her. One time? Uh, I don't, I, th- I don't, might have been, there was, there was a, te- I don't know how many times there was a text that he says, do you miss my dick yet? Like they were clearly sexy texting after that. I don't know how many times. Did she say she did? Yes. Yes. Pretty, pretty, uh damning evidence against compulsion or anything like that. And the argument is, I don't know what the argument is, but but the idea that he is responsible for her sadness as a result of their interaction, which at the time was uh, consensual, is I think the most patriarchal thing that you can argue. It's like, no, what he needs to do is police her feelings because he's a man and she's just a woman. I feel like that same line of argumentation takes away her agency. You would probably have to say she shouldn't be voting because if she can't make decisions about who she has sex with and the repercussions of that, how could she possibly be trusted to elect the president of the United States of America? And this is not what I, I don't believe that that's the case, but I do believe that two things are possible. Uh, he could have not been nice to her. He could have treated her callously. She could have you know, been upset by it and that can primarily be her responsibility uh, and not something that that it means that people should stop subscribing to Barstool Sports and ruin his life over. And so I think it's uh, patriarchal is the word that came to my head. It was like the definition of the patriarchy, that he needs to be in charge of her emotional sure. well-being and that she can't make decisions that potentially upset her. Well, I think especially because you you will tend to see that in one direction. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody uh, thought that Ariana Grande abused her power when she got Pete Davidson to fall in love with her and then called off their wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, he was suicidally depressed over it. It's, she's I think these are beautiful and wealthy yeah. and famous. She's She's more powerful than him in... Every way? Like, not physically, but... Sure, sure. I was thinking, like, looks, fame, wealth. Mm-hmm. Well, now and Pete... He was apparently, Pete Davis's got mad game. So that's a, that's a separate no, no, story. Well, listen, I don't, I don't feel bad for him. He actually doesn't... Even though he was depressed over it, he's like, he has nothing bad to say about her. But I'm just saying... Uh, it would have been improper to say, she promised me X, Y, and Z. She hurt... Like, I'm hurt. I got depressed after. Therefore, that is a comment on her behavior. On the matriarchy. Yes. Or no, no, on her behavior. Like, that is an indictment of something that she did. She should have wielded her power over me more justly. Uh, and I think in these power conversations, we forget that at every every instance of power, as far as I can tell, is where somebody has something that somebody else wants. And that can be literal access to their naked body. That can be money. That can be all sorts of things. Uh, and these power dynamics exist. And as far as I can tell, I think every single human interaction that has ever occurred 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And there are some that we want to... I think legally or socially control against, like your boss. Yeah, I was going like, to say, there are some that you do want the law to yeah, intervene yeah. with, and I think it's totally appropriate to. But I think given that, in my view, every single human interaction involves uh, a power dynamic, we don't want to intervene in most of these. And people instead need to uh, learn how to deal with their desire to have the attention, money, sex that other people could offer them in a way that does not cause them to make decisions that harm themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you go the other direction. I think there's some states where you can legally have quote unquote consensual sex with a police officer, like after he's arrested you before you get to the police station. It's like, no, let's make that illegal. Like, let's say like no consensual sex. Is that what was happening? Is, cops that, were, is that, wait a second, is that true? Yeah. And then cops were raping people. And no, then saying it was that's consensual. not true. Yeah. Yeah. This is a thing. You can get arrested and it, it, fall in love. <laughs> on the in way some to states, at, back in like, at some point in history, like recent history, yeah, maybe okay. not to, as of today, but so okay. there are places where we want to say no. Government says no, no consenting in this situation. Uh, it's always a power abuse if it's you know a police or your boss or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. It's also weird though because the the boss thing, which everybody's I think pretty on board with in terms of saying this is a power balance and sexual one that we want to control shouldn't against. shouldn't yeah. have happen between boss and employee when the boss controls the employee's pay or ability to continue at that place of work. Well, like, yeah, that's bad. Except for sometimes. Except for sometimes. And here's the problem with it. It's like, except for sometimes when everybody winds up being happy as a result of it for a couple of years, meaning like Bill Gates marries Melinda Gates, no problem with the power imbalance until they divorce, at which point you started hearing stories that Bill was sexually inappropriate in the office. And those, I think, uh, didn't make it very far because it's like a little crazy, but this, I, I agree with you. This, this isn't confronted so often. It's like, it's, it's a power imbalance, except when they get married, everybody claps and is super happy that the vice president married the, the analyst or something Also like that. only like some of the time, I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. Cause then if a, if a rock star or an athlete has sex with a fan, you're not like, what? What about the power abuse? Like, no, of course they did. That's what we expect rock stars and athletes to do. But with YouTubers, it's a massive issue. Or Twitch streamers or whoever. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, th I think, and this is, this is, I guess my point is that with we power- We haven't quite figured out as a society how we feel about when it's okay to use fame and money to make yourself more attractive and when it's not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we haven't sussed it out. We do not have a principle that says it's never okay or it's always okay. It's like, well- We'll kind of like judge it based on how weird you look or how yeah. weird you make us feel. And also if you end up getting married or not. Uh, yeah. How quickly after the interaction, one, the, the person is upset. So what, one of the, um, what was I going to say? It was, there's this type of argument that I've just, I just noticed that I'm hearing a lot where it's just like a true statement is made, but it's very narrow. So like, you know, there's a power imbalance when uh, Dave Portnoy sleeps with this person, and that's not okay. And it's like, I agree with the first half, but if power balances in relationships aren't okay, 
we can't have relationships because like every relationship starts when somebody wants something from someone else, whether that's them to like them back or to be naked with them or to go on dates that are really fun, that they, that they have this unique way of like making going to the park, the most exciting thing in the world. And you just want to be around that. Uh, and I felt, you know, we, we had a conversation with, um, like over a year ago at this point with the rational male Rolo guy and I felt similarly where he was like, women are irrational and women are like this. And I was like, yes. And so are men. And I feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like the, uh, the narrow focus, it's just a common tact that I'm starting to notice is, is, is that a true statement is made and then a broad implication about how that is wrong or bad or needs to be uniquely dealt with. It's like, no, 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 open. Like this is a much larger problem than you're confronting. Um, so that's all. All right. What else you got? Uh, mine's weird. I don't even remember what triggered this, but I was just thinking about, uh, I don't know why I thought about this, but the, uh, the pejorative of taking the easy way out. So people are like, oh, you're taking the easy way out. And that's just assumed to be a bad thing because sometimes the easy way is also a bad thing. But then I think people inherently think doing things that are easy, that makes them bad. And it, it, I don't know why I was thinking about it, but it reminded me of when we moved to Brazil and we were moving there with a guy who had a blog and he told his fans, hey, I'm moving to Brazil and I'm going to live with these guys, work on my charisma and dating. And someone wrote in and said, you're taking the easy way out by moving to a country where you're just going to be considered sexy because of your race. No. <laughs> and he, it would like devastated his self-esteem because he's like, oh, I'm, I don't, supposed to I do don't want hard. to take the easy I'm way out. I'm supposed to play like, in hard mode. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I'm supposed I live to live in New York on... where everyone's mean. Exactly. And, and, <laughs> and I was like, what, why do you think that it's bad to go somewhere where everyone's friendly and beautiful and thinks you're super attractive? And by the way, that is a not what happened. Like it no, was, it was, was a the... normal place with. <laughs> it just And I mean, one, it's just a lesson of don't take, <laughs> don't uh, outsource your self-esteem to random people you don't know on the internet. But yeah, he, it, it really shook him that. He was taking the easy way out. And to me, I feel like that can be a great decision to make sometimes is to take the easy way to a, to a good goal or whatever it may be. So Most of the time, probably. But right. it's pejorative. I mean, you've heard it. Like, oh, that person's taking the easy way out. I don't even have to tell you about the situation. The, the mm-hmm. undertone of that is that it's negative. Yeah, I think it's, this is, the I guess, kind of the problem is that the slogan obviously has a has positive use cases, right? Where it's, instead of telling this person the truth, you're taking the short-term uh, gain mm-hmm. at, at, at the long-term cost is the problem. I think that's what is more intended by this statement is, oh, this is a short-term gain that is going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah, that's where it started. But then and it then just becomes a slogan. Well, I think especially <laughs> in like hustle, this is, I guess for our audience, who a lot of people are like hustlers and growth-oriented, I think in that culture of, I'm going to make myself better every single day, the intent of that slogan which started off well which is listen don't take the easy way out by not telling your wife that you cheated because down the line this is going to create a whole mm-hmm. bunch of fucking problems for your relationship just became never do the easy thing mm-hmm. ever she's like that's terrible <laughs> advice sometimes it's totally great to just achieve a goal by doing it in a way that's easy yeah this is what one of but i think you get okay but like as i reflect on my own childhood and it's like how would you raise a kid well this is part of the issue is that uh, every situation is infinitely complex and the language that we give in terms of advice is not. And so even with the best of intentions as you're instructing kids or even sometimes on the Patreon where I'll be like, oh no, in these type of situations, what you want to do, that can always be uh, limiting <laughs> to people's mm-hmm. lives in, in negative ways. So I, I, I'm i sure if you went through our Patreons or whatever, I've said slogans that are similar to this. And I know that somewhere in somebody's mind that got stuck in their head is like, Charlie says, do the hard thing or whatever, which is just definitely not what I would ever intend to say, but may have literally said yeah, <laughs> at yeah. some point. So it's just like, it's, that's one of the things about kids. I like look at, I look at some of the life lessons that I drew for my parents without ever realizing I drew them. I was like, oh my God, that was pretty fucking black and white. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> probably not intended that way, or even if it was intended that way, is a really foolish way of looking at the world. Um, and I think that's just what happens, and that's how people get limiting beliefs, and makes it impossible to grow up without them because you're just a dumb little black and white machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just no, it's it's I mean, basically it's impossible. never talk to strangers, you know, and like all of a sudden your mom collapses, and there's one person there. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also the I mean. 
this is a hard tangent, but it is funny. The advice we grew up with, it's like, don't talk to strangers. Don't get into cars with people you don't know. Yeah. All, all the advice we were given is now exactly how you live your life. Yeah. It's like <laughs> connect with people on the internet that you don't know and then get in the car with strangers. Yes, exactly. It's, it's literally how I commute. Yeah. Uh, my last thing here is I just did because we have our D&D first episode tonight. We're going to be filming. Doesn't mean it's going to come out, but we're working on it. And I, you would never know it by what I've got, but I was leaning on Russell Brand's accent to <laughs> develop my character. And it's not going to be that good. But man, his titles continue oh, yeah. to I told you escalate. This. And I was like, has Russell gone off the deep end? The one that I watched was you couldn't make it up, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Check out this billionaire scam, scam all caps, exclamation point. Uh, and then I, and in the video, he is not unhinged. Mm-hmm. He is like, I actually thought like his normal, jokey, comical self. Uh, but a couple interesting things. One, I, I'm on his email list, and I got a Google Doc survey. What do you like? And it was like, do you like literal question? And I, I'm not, okay, I should say literal. This is uh, close to the intent of it because I don't remember the exact words. On a scale of like one being like things that challenge my point of view and five being like things that confirm what I already believe, what kind of content do you prefer? And it's just like, oh, my God, this is how you're going to decide what to talk about if I want to have my confirmation bias stroked or not. Like, and I, I appreciate the bald-facedness of the question. It's just like naked. Like, oh, yeah. Um, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear <laughs> or introduce you to new ideas? Because I'll do either. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm totally willing. And I know that Russell didn't set that up. He's got somebody on his team clearly that is telling him what topics to talk about, telling him which things, telling him what like, and his channel is exploding. But... Here's has some of the comments. Good, has it been good for business? It's been great for business. Yeah. It's been fantastic for business. It's been fantastic for his profile. Uh, is it good for the world? I don't know. This classic question of like, the content of it, I didn't actually object to. Now, the one objection might be like, in choosing these topics to talk about, you are leaving out the more useful non-news topics of like, spirituality how do i become more mindful exactly like in fact this might be the literal opposite of being more mindful and present but the the content itself within if you had decided you were going to talk about billionaires not paying taxes it wasn't unhinged it was reasonable and all those sorts of things i'll see if i i grab some of the uh gosh some of the comments and it's just like i don't know if this is representative of the average viewer but it's like you definitely do then bring these types into your fold so uh, that's why they wanted Brandon as a puppet, referring to Joe Biden, to give themselves stimmy checks. Like, the billionaires voted for Joe Biden so they could get $1,200 worth of stimulus checks. This is, a, well, like, the fourth most upvoted comment. And, again, most people don't comment, most people don't vote, but, like, as a selection of the commenters, that's a pretty ridiculous take as to why the billionaires wanted Biden to I promise they wanted. I promise if they were thinking about their money, they wanted Trump. Yes. They wanted Trump because they didn't want to pay taxes on capital gains. Yeah, and then another one, I was all wrong about Brand. He's a truth warrior, which is just like, this is someone who made their opinion based on what they saw in a tabloid of Russell Brand, you know, and yeah, then yeah. reframed their opinion when he said- Billionaires uh, are bad. Billionaires are bad, which isn't what he said, but is how it was perceived. And I think the title has a strong impact I was going to say that. I actually on, think that you- it, Do titles, the titles part, are freaking powerful, man. Yeah, yeah. The tough part about saying that the way you're going to do it is you're going to pre- you're going to get them in with a title that's crazy and salacious, but then speak totally moderately yeah. is that everything you say will be seen through the lens of the title. That's why for Justin, sometimes he's <laughs> trying so hard to get views and I'll make him change the title. Cause I'm like, what we say I stand by, but through the lens of this title, it's going to be interpreted completely different. And it's extremely reliable that the title can color that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I also get what Russell's doing. Cause you're saying like, he's got caps, he's got exclamation points. We have someone for charisma on command, someone else who ju- is kind of in charge of titles and thumbnails. And me and him are just playing tug of war right now. Mm-hmm. Cause I want the titles to be close to the content. He wants the content to do as well as possible. And we yep. both have good goals, I think. And so we're just, we, we're trying to strike that balance. You know, he wants to capitalize things. He wants yeah. to have exclamation points and he wants to have, very incendiary words and uh, but even I even think that our works. titles if i were to play you know devil's advocate it's like look this video if i were to accurately title it is like eight minutes describing russell brand's uh communication in a few scenarios like that's that's a more accurate yeah, yeah, title yeah, yeah, than yeah. like how to captivate anyone because you can't captivate 
anyone. You know what I mean? Which is still a title that we would be okay with. Well, actually, this video, I, you can in the sense that... What if they're deaf and blind and none of these things work? You can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Well, the, I mean, the advice at a high level was be funny, fascinating, and make them feel good. So if you can make a deaf, blind person <laughs> laugh, feel good... And be fascinated. What they if, will like it. What if they were traumatized early in life by like their comedian father who was all of those things? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's Wait. just look in, in the world of every and any, it's all I have to do is find one to bust it. Yeah. And so I actually felt good about this one though. I did reflect on it before. Because me and him, I think we do totally the reasonable. we do the tug of war. So Dude, I have so, to reflect and be like, okay, how do I feel about that one? And I was like, Yeah. If you do make someone laugh and they think you're fascinating and you make them feel good. They're going to like you. Yes. And I think, I think that this is, you know, it's practically the question that I ask myself is, but this still for Russell Brand is like, you know, what is the impact this has on the world? I've heard Daniel Schmachtenberger talk about like the truth commons and it's this idea that we all contribute to uh, a feeling of trust or the ra- the um, racing of the nuclear arms race to more salacious mm-hmm titles and things like how does this impact that and like just about everything anyone says on the internet is polluting the truth comments because if it wasn't it wouldn't get any (laughs) traction at all Uh, or very little traction like very rare uh, truthful things would go yeah even even, like that one girl that your girlfriend likes she she'll just post to like today at home Oh, what's, what's her name? Her whole title. Emma Chamberlain. Emma Chamberlain. Eating McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. That's her whole title. Yeah, yeah. So God bless her. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's, she's rocking the truth commons. Even so, it's like, were you eating McDonald's the whole time? Or was like the first part you laying in your bed? So I'm not, if I were to split hairs over this. No, I love her titles. I'll know. Oh. Good for her. I think they're great. It's great. No, no. I it's I think it's awesome. And Got I got home I think, today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best title ever. I love it. Um and I think ours are largely very defensible and we and you know and there's still tests that are being run where we're like ah that's a little bit too strong of an adjective there um but we've seen it and we've done it uh so for instance one of the split tests that we ran was like phrases that kill your confidence versus phrases that destroy in all caps your confidence and that one won and so what i've seen is he's done this a couple times the more intense the noun verb or adjective like the more if you were to grade any sort of title on a emotional spike Mm -hmm. the better it does uh so yeah, you've got these algorithms that are just like finely tuned to knee-jerk reactions. And so you're like, what makes humans flinch? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, rage, <laughs> all these kinds of things. It's like, great. Let's reward whatever that is. Yeah. It's like, uh, sometimes cuteness, you know, sometimes cute animals, but not all the time. So it's not the best. Anything else you got? No. Dope. Do you want to go to questions? Let's do some questions. First one is about your video on sociopaths. I was wondering if there was anything you personally found interesting about your investigation or maybe something you weren't so aware of before the video. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty confident one of my friends is a sociopath (laughs) now, and I did not think that before. So things that I thought were interesting or I didn't know. Um, I mean, it's a lot. I, I didn't know anything about the topic. I think the fact that the leading theory is that sociopaths are created by trauma, whereas psychopaths are born, I thought was interesting. I think that gives you a more sympathetic lens to anyone who's a sociopath. The, or a psychopath, right? Yeah, I guess or a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't pick this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was interesting. They So people, I think, know sociopaths can be dangerous because they there is a high chance that they will manipulate you to get what they want, even if it's to your detriment because they don't feel empathy for you, right? That's what people know and think about sociopaths. To me, what I found interesting was that that's such a unavoidable natural consequence of the lack of empathy. Like, it's like, oh, like being a sociopath creates that, in, that internal instinct to manipulate. It's, it's not that they are feeling less and then they choose, they're like, oh, I will choose to manipulate because it will get me what I want. It's like, no, they have a strong instinct to do that because all they're thinking about is what they want because they can't feel badly for you losing out on something. And so they just think of everything like it's a game almost. And so if they outsmart you or trick you or manipulate you and you're left sad while they've gotten what they want, what they're just confused by is your sadness because they just go, what do you mean? We were playing a game and I won. And so I happen to have fucked your wife or gotten 
you know, stolen from you or whatever it might be. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Is this like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it takes to not do that takes a lot of willpower from people who have ASPD to not manipulate you. And the, and the way I've, I've uh, used a lot of inte- uh, sociopaths who are trying to live with integrity and the way that they get there has to be rational. Mm-hmm. And so you hear them often talk not about feeling badly, but just about like, what do I want the world to be? I want the world to be a place that's calm and safe. Okay, when I do things like this, am I contributing to that goal? No. And so then they, they can find morality by almost a utilitarian logic. Yeah, I, I, and maybe this makes me a sociopath. I, I see that spectrum existing. One of the words you said was empathetic. Mm-hmm. I actually wonder, and I can only speak from my own experience, how em- empathetic most moral people are versus how guilt driven and how well guilt is guilt is something that sociopaths don't feel okay so that would be so maybe most people don't feel but like empathy is the idea that um if someone is suffering i literally feel i I can tap into their feeling state and feel their feeling state in the same way that like i can feel my left arm and my right arm Mm -hmm. or, or or some something like that versus what i think i often experience is like you idiot, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Like you hurt, like that's bad, which I don't think qualifies as empathy. But you feel that, you're not saying that to yourself. You feel that in your gut or you feel that in your heart. Like it's I not, think that it's was like socialized into me. In sure, it. but what I'm saying is you don't, you're not sitting there feeling nothing, but going, you know, I think this is probably something I shouldn't have done. This is, you in your stomach feel guilt. You feel not in your stomach, right? Um, I... So, yeah, sometimes I have to suss it out and go, is this right? Is this wrong? And other times I'm like, oh, fuck. Like it, but again, and that not, I think, was put there by socialization. Like I learned that these types of behaviors are bad boy behaviors and you shouldn't do that. And therefore you should punish yourself or, and avoid doing that so that you don't have to punish yourself. Yeah, my impression is that they, that not in the stomach is not something that happens for people who are diagnosably ASPD. Mm-hmm. But another thing that I think is totally reasonable is that it is a spectrum. Like Logan Paul came out and said this when he was mm-hmm. getting a bunch of heat. He's like, I think I might have some sociopathic tendencies. I don't think I'm a full-blown sociopath. I think it's a spectrum. And I do think that's true. I think when you're diagnosed, you're really far down the spectrum though. Like I don't think that the people who are diagnosed as psychopaths or sociopaths, if it were a bell curve of some kind in terms of how much they feel empathy, it's a very long tail. Well, we know the percentage, right? What's the percentage of people that are sociopaths? One in 30. So 3% of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. one in 30 are, well, I don't know if it's that's sociopaths or ASPD, mm-hmm. but it's one in 30, yeah. Which is also, that's another thing. It was like, uh, I think our high school class had 200 people that graduated in it, 500 people that graduated in it, 500. So that's a lot of sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. Like just straight up that we're in school, that it would be almost impossible for there not to have been 10 to 20 people who were actually ASPD. I didn't, I couldn't tell you who they were. Mm-hmm. I could think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that was another thing was how common it is. I found very surprising. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. It's a very, very interesting video to make. All right. I've got one more. Um, as I hear you guys speak a lot about psychedelic therapy, but not so much about regular psychotherapy. Um, as a psychology student, I worry that people may start seeing psychedelics as a shortcut for mental health. It so is. I'm, so i'm curious about your opinion on psychotherapy and the clear correlation it appears to have with mental health and well-being does psychotherapy so uh, here's a challenge and is does psychotherapy and and this is just to you personally these are questions genuinely uh have clear positive data and is that data above placebo meaning somebody attempting to improve their life and willing to spend a hundred dollars a session once a week in order to do that is psychotherapy better than that same amount of effort and money going towards something else so i, I say this as someone who has talked to a bunch of therapists yeah i don't have the expertise that maybe a person in the industry would but my impression is that cognitive behavior therapy has done very well against placebo but regular talk therapy i don't think has shown necessarily like wildly impressive results so my my personal experience is that uh similarly we talk about homelessness like calling something talk therapy like i've had such a variety this is why we eventually stopped promoting better help was because i was like oh my god i have an awesome therapist this is so fucking useful and then 
I went back to BetterHelp and tried again and got another guy that was not good. And I was like, and, and oh, we did, this and we is talked not to them. And I get, I understand why they can't because of the nature of the work. But we we're like, we we can't promote you guys unless you do some sort of Uber star system yeah, yeah, yeah. Yelp type thing. Because I can promote the shit out of this if it's a collection of great therapists. Mm-hmm. But if it's a collection of therapists, some who are great and some who are not, yeah. then it's much And the individual's experience is going to vary on that bell curve. And for a lot of reasons, you know, privacy, incentives, whatever, they didn't want to do it. So we stopped working with them. Um, but no, that, so... But you're accurately picking up my opinion, which is that psycho th- psychedelic therapy is a shortcut and by the way, much faster paced than regular therapy. And I think that's what the Johns Hopkins studies yeah. are showing. I think that's why it's being fast-tracked and being considered it's not an exceptional it's a breakthrough it's a breakthrough therapy yeah uh because it is having materially faster and better results and that's why the u.s government is basically (laughs) fast-tracking it through approval for people with ptsd and things like that the people that i've gone to in fact all of them and i know many at this point that uh not even beyond the ones that i've gone to that i know people have gone to i think all of them started as therapists. Yeah, no one I know. And listen, this happens. First of all, straight up, I want to say this does happen. Someone does psychedelics a bunch, tries to become a shaman or does become a shaman, has no background in actual therapy. And maybe they're good, maybe they're bad, but I'm not here to endorse that. But yeah, a lot of these people started as therapy, were frustrated years, by the intransigence of, of certain therapists. problems, were trying to find breakthroughs, found this, and it is incredible. Also, and, Sorry, I don't mean to cut you up, but go, go to maps and look at the requirements for doing the government-approved psychedelic therapy, and it requires a facilitator, a licensed therapist, mm-hmm. a licensed psychotherapist. Like, they're they're involved. And, like, I, and I think they, the they work super program, well in tandem. That's that's I guess the other piece that I'm making is like it's not to remove talk therapy or psychotherapy. Um, it's to sort of have that be place some guardrails around the experience. But what I've seen is, and I've done this now several times, there is not a therapist on the face of the planet that is as powerful as your own inner healer uh, when put in a safe environment with that sort of stuff. And they can help you, guide you, coach you, discover what you talked about, but there's no amount of cognitive training or even on-the-job experience that is going to enable someone to do the type of deep... Uh, healing in the amount of time that it can be done with the some of these particular psychedelics. And I'm talking specifically right now about MDMA. I do want to shout out cognitive behavior therapy, though, because it has... Uh, they haven't run it against MDMA therapy because MDMA therapy is still not legal, but they've mm-hmm. done tests where you do placebo, SSRIs, cognitive behavior therapy, and cognitive behavior therapy performs very well. Mm-hmm. It, it's apparently as well as SSRIs for the right person, handedly beats placebo it's if you have depression and anxiety that form of therapy seems to be great so i'm not trying to poo-poo it at all uh but yeah you have completely picked up on i guess our opinion of (laughs) psychedelic therapy and i just want to just reiterate it's not to entirely remove it it's to yeah uh be in be a very important staple with trained therapists in the area who have it experienced with trauma and all whatever sorts of things addiction you know anything but don't just take our word for it. Seriously, look up the look at the Johns Hopkins research. Look at maps. I mean, that people are doing published studies where they are doing research, like straight up clinical research on psychedelic therapy. So you can see the results, dig into the yeah. data, look at the results. It's all public and out there, as far as I know. Cool. That was it. That's it. All right, we're gonna hop over to Patreon. What are we talking about today on Patreon, Justin? Today, if we can get to them all, we're gonna be talking about how to be more playful and light. Uh, how to stop being overly self-censoring, and if charisma experts get turned down ever. Lots of charisma Ooh. today. Lots of charisma today. Fun stuff. All right, so if you guys want to see that, I think it's like $3 a month. You get access to all of them. There's so much stuff there. Uh, it keeps us going. keeps money in Justin's pocket. So what, we hope where to do see they, over How do they Patreon. join? Uh, Patreon.com slash charisma. Patreon. Is it slash charisma? Slash Is that charisma? it? Charisma on command. Don't. Charisma on command. Charisma <laughs> on command. Never mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to. It'll be in the YouTube anything. description and uh, maybe show notes. So thanks, guys. We appreciate you. See you in Patreon. When you visit Arizona, 
time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.